0: Well, I hope you've had a chance in our service to this point to kind of just catch your breath. Pretty wild month, isn't it? And it's a pretty stressful time. It's a busy time. I mean, it, and it's getting busier early, isn't it? It's like Thanksgiving cues it all up and so we're chasing around, digging in the attic for the, for the decorations. We just moved here and moved in a new neighborhood and man. Like our neighbors, the bar is really high on how they decorate their houses. A lot of pressure, man. We didn't want to be the, the bummer house on the block. That's, that's pressure, you know. There, there's busyness in the decorations, busyness in the gifts, wanting to get just the right gifts. And there's a lot of gifts and got to wrap the gifts. Bless you. And they're, they're, then you got to mail the gifts in time. And then sometimes, like me, you forget where you hid the gifts. And so you got to go find the gifts that you bought. And, um, and, and then there's parties. Wow, are there parties. There's parties at work. There's parties in the neighborhood. There's parties you go to. Some of them, you got to buy a new dress or a new outfit, and, and that's pressure. And, and some of it, you got to host, and that means food, and cooking food, and making food, and buying food, and decorating cookies, and whew, pressure, stress. As some of you traveled through, anybody through Denver this week? Talk about some stress. Travel. And you know, that'll add some stress points to your week. All this busyness. And then there's the Christmas cards. And then there's the kids' concerts. And, and then they decide that there's three services. And you've got to practice a couple of times. I figure by this time, Guy, our tambourine player, has a crescent moon kind of just <laughs> indented there on his thigh. The trumpet players, you get up close and you realize he's just got this ring. It's just kind of a dimple there from their mouthpiece. It's just it's busy. And, and then you think about all the things that make us busy, and you go, and all those things cost money. I mean, it's expensive to buy all those presents and send out all those cards and make all that food and go to the concerts and buy the tickets and travel. It, it, and you know what? They say the average American that owns a credit card will put $1,000 on their card. So if there's two of you in your family, that's two grand. Man, that's pressure. That's stressful. But can I suggest to you that those two things, busyness and money, don't compare to the stress of family relationships. That's the number one stress. That's what was on the paper uh, at the State Journal yesterday. Family feuds can ruin family fantasy. And that cartoon just kind of shows it all. A lot, a lot of stress. We get together with those that we love and yet we say they're strained relationships. It's hard. A lot of those relationships aren't aren't even strained. They're just fractured. It's hard. There's a lot of hurt. And we come together and we're walking on eggshells. And that is so stressful. Well, today we want to talk about peace. And what we've been doing at Door Creek is we've been celebrating Christmas by... Uh, Taking on this topic of God's indescribable gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. It comes from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But how we went about looking at that indescribable gift was going back in the Old Testament to the prophet Isaiah and something that he prophesied 800 years before Christ was ever born. That's about those presents that I was talking about to the kids. We've been looking at these titles of Christ, that He's the wonderful counselor, that He's the... um, mighty God, and the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And those all come out of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9. So let's read just a couple of those verses together as we consider the subject of the Prince of Peace tonight. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, I ask the kids the question, what, what do you want for Christmas? So uh, let, let me ask you a little different question. What do you want for Christmas that money can't buy? You ever thought about it that way? What do you need? There's even a different way to put it. What do you need this Christmas that you know money can't buy it? Well, what we've been discovering as we've gone back to God's word again is that what we need is a promised Savior King who is a wonderful counselor, who is wise enough to guide us. We need a mighty God who is powerful enough to deliver us. We need an everlasting father, someone who is full of compassion and mercy. And we need a prince of peace, someone who brings lasting peace. We need Jesus. And so as we consider this topic of the everlasting, excuse me, the prince of peace, What we want to do is use three questions to kind of guide us in our thinking tonight. And we'll ask three questions. The first being this, what kind of peace does Jesus bring? And the second is, how did Jesus bring peace? And the third, most important, how do we get it? How do we get peace? So we start off with the first question. What kind of peace does Jesus bring? Because when you hear that Jesus is the Prince of Peace who came into this world some 2,000 years ago and you look around the world today, it's easy for you to say, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, what happened? Where's the peace? Where was it in Beirut this year? Where is it in the streets of Baghdad? Where, where is it in Sudan and Darfur? Shoot, where is it in our cities? Let's get a little closer. Where is it in our home? Where is it in my heart? Where is that peace? You too wrote a song called Peace on Earth. And they're wrestling with these same things in these lyrics. Heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around. Sick of sorrow, I'm sick of the pain, I'm... Sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. Tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground, peace on earth. No who's or why's, no one cries like a mother cries for peace on earth. She never got to say goodbye to see the color in his eyes. Now he's in the dirt, peace on earth. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. To tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground, peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, peace on earth. Here at every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? Peace on earth peace on earth, peace on earth. Unless you think these lyrics are written by an atheist who mocks our belief in God, he's not. He's very much like the psalmist who's trying to work it out, his faith, his hope, with what he sees, with history. And he says like the psalmist, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why are the wicked people seemingly prospering? And the people who love you are getting killed. What's going on, God? Perhaps if we go back to what the angels first announced to the shepherds, we can help ourselves, help understand what it means that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, what kind of peace. He brings. What did the angels say? Luke records it in chapter 2, verse 14 Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men. It doesn't say and peace on the earth, but on earth, peace to men, to women, to students, to children, to refugees, to those on their deathbed, peace to men on whom his favor rests as we think about this, we want to ask this question. What are the different kinds of peace that he brings to men? And the first is this. He brings spiritual peace between God and us. He brings relational peace. Peace between others and us. And he brings world peace. Not quite yet, but when he comes again. So the first thing and the fundamental thing that Jesus brings is spiritual peace, peace with God. Now we read about that in the New Testament in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in Rome. And in chapter 5, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justified means just as if we'd never seen, declared righteous by God. He looks at us and he says, you're innocent. I declare you innocent by faith. Since we have that, we can have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's what the Christmas carol sings about when it says, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled brought back together. When you think about that word peace, don't think about the absence of conflict, but think about a sense of well-being that could be yours in the midst of horrific circumstances, a sense of well-being, a sense of wholeness, completeness, of harmony with God, with others, and yourself. That's what Jesus brings. It comes from God through Christ. And Jesus says, I give that. My peace I give to you. Not that the world gives, but what's from me. And my peace will blow your mind. It goes beyond human understanding. You ever had that? You're in the midst of some unbelievable trauma and you've got God's peace. I mean, you got trouble all around you, but you got peace. That's what Jesus can do. But the first peace that he's talking about is not the peace of your circumstances. It's the peace in your relationship with God. So the question is, why do we need that? You might say, hey, I don't have anything against God. I'm okay with God. Well, here's what the Bible says. God's got a problem with us. We've actually broken off the relationship. The reason we need a Prince of Peace is because we have alienated ourselves in this relationship with God. You say, how how do we do that? I, I didn't do that. Now we have. Man, realize how you did it. But you do it, And I do it, just like the first parents did it, Adam and Eve, when we doubt his goodness and say, God, you know, I'm not really sure I need to do my life according to your word. I'm going to make up my own rules. And by the way, I'd kind of like to be God in my own life today, and I think tomorrow's going to be a good day for me to do that too. So let me just run my own life, and when I get in a real jam, I'll call you. We turn God into a rabbit's foot. He said, hey, I've got a problem with your rebellion against me. Because when you did that, that was sin. That was wrong. And it severed our relationship. I'm a holy God. And I cannot have a relationship with you if you carry on in this kind of treasonous, rebellious way. And so I got to deal with it. And so we need peace with God because we're not at peace with God. Our relationship with God is not right. And the Bible tells us that God loves us so much that he's going to do something about the very things that have severed the relationship. Here's how I saw it this week for the first time. I've never seen it like this. I was watching the news, and during one of the commercial breaks, you know, I'm your typical male, and I got the remote going, and I started flipping channels, right? So I get the Dr. Phil. I've never seen Dr. Phil's show. I've heard of him. I've seen him on different shows. And, but I've never seen his show. And on his show this week, he had a 16-year-old boy, this young man, had just a real broken heart because he had a messed up home. And it centered on his dad, the town mayor, who was a town drunk. And in this segment, this young man had taken videos of his dad who was just passed out, just all the sad stuff of his alcoholism. And they showed these clips. And, you know, as he talked, Phil, Dr. Phil talked to this young man, it was very clear that the young man had one attitude towards alcohol specifically the abuse of alcohol. He hated it. Why did he hate it? Because it was the very thing that was ruining his family. He wanted so bad to know his dad. And his problem with alcohol never gave him that chance. He hated it. God created you and me for relationship. Man, he loves us so much. That's why we're here to know God, to love him, to serve him. And it's our rebellion that has severed the relationship and God hates that rebellion. And he sent his son to deal with that which we couldn't deal with. That's why we need a prince of peace. That's why we need peace with God. And you know what the cool thing is? Is when you have peace with God through Christ then you can begin to have peace in your relationships. If you walk in here tonight and say, family feuds, you should come to my house tomorrow. You want to see tension? You can cut it with a knife. I don't want it. I want to change. Well, I can tell you this. It'll never get changed until first things are taken care of first. You can't have peace with each other until we've got peace with God. And then the peace of God through Christ strengthens us to do what Christ did for us, to forgive those who've wronged us and to move forward in the path of reconciliation. That's what Jesus can bring, peace relationally. And then the Bible says one day he's gonna bring world peace. There ain't gonna be any accord that's gonna pull it off. There there isn't gonna be any treating that's gonna do it. There isn't gonna be a world leader where everybody goes, He's the guy, finally, that we can all unite around and live in harmony. It isn't going to happen until Jesus comes back. And when he comes back, Isaiah gives us three pictures of what it looks like. In chapter 2, the beautiful image of the swords being beaten into farm implements, plowshares. In chapter 9, the warrior's boots, his blood-stained uniform thrown in the fire because it's not needed anymore. Because he brings in lasting peace. In chapter 11, he paints another picture of the lamb lying down next to the wolf, the cattle next to the bear, the child playing right alongside of the serpents. These beautiful pictures of peace that Isaiah 9 7 says is going to come in when he establishes his kingdom on this earth. And that's what the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth where his peace will be established forever. And along with that peace, there will be perfect justice and righteousness. It comes through the Prince of Peace. We have it and can have it today through Christ with God. We can experience it today relationally. And one day when Christ returns, there will be peace on earth. So that, comes to, that brings us to the second question. How does Jesus do that? How does He bring? How does He make peace? And here's the, the, the paradox of the gospel that Jesus makes peace through violence. He said, "What are you talking about? Not through the violence that he commits, but for the violence that He allows to happen to His own life the violence of the cross when he surrendered his life for you and me to a bunch of cruel religious leaders and Roman thugs who literally nailed him to a tree, his naked body. Don't get caught up in sentiment tonight, friends. It wasn't a pretty sight when Jesus came into this world. It wasn't very peaceful when the baby boys were being murdered in Bethlehem. It wasn't a good day to be living under the thumb and iron fist of Rome. And it wasn't a good day when the Son of God died on the cross. It was a horrific day. But it's through his death on the cross that peace can be made possible. Here's what he said He basically said, I was born to die when he said this in Mark's Gospel in the 10th chapter, verse 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peace with God, with each other, one day on this earth. How? Through his death. He came to die. So, the $100,000 question, how do I get it? Because, you know what? Preacher, you got my interest here. Because I don't have a lot of peace right now. My world would not be described with that word peace, well being, completeness, wholeness, harmony in relationships. <sighs> not me. I've known that for years. And if you knew what was going on in my life this week, you'd know I'm looking for peace. How do I get it? How do I get it? Well, the Bible says you get it by God's grace, it's free, it's a gift. It's like tomorrow morning when you give your kids a gift. You don't say to them, now son, you saw a couple of my sons here tonight. I wouldn't say, hey Pete, this is your gift and you can keep it on this condition every Tuesday night. Don't ever forget it. You got to take the garbage to the curb, buddy. Luke, this gift is for you. It's what you always wanted and asked for this year on the condition that you get straight A's this quarter. We don't do that, and God doesn't do that. It's a free gift that he gives us this Christmas, the gift of his son. And so how do we unwrap it? How do we make that gift ours? By faith, by taking God and his word. Grace and faith is the very stuff that Paul writes about again in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. By God's grace, through faith in his son, you can have peace with God and begin the path of reconciliation with those where you're not at peace and long for that day when he comes back. So you longing for that? Longing for world peace? Longing for peace in your home? in your family, relationships, longing for it just in your heart, just for a day, to be able to just turn off all the noise that we bring into our lives so we don't have to think about the stuff that's not right. Do you long for that day where in the silence of an hour, you could go, it's well, it's good. I've got well-being and harmony in all of my life. Well, if that's what you're looking for, you know what you need to do. Don't go and make peace. Go trust in the Prince of Peace who's made peace possible with God. And you put your hope in him. And you say, You're my king. You're my gracious leader. Why wouldn't I love you and follow you? You died for me. So, God, help me to follow your son and be an ambassador of your peace. Let's pray. So Lord, I pray for someone here tonight who who doesn't know know your peace. They don't have peace with you and they don't have peace with others in their life. I pray that you would grant them today faith and hope to turn from putting their hopes on themselves or anybody else other than your son, Jesus Christ. And that you'd settle deep within their soul tonight and abiding peace no matter how great the storm they're in right now. Lord, I pray for your peace to work out in families this coming year. Families that have given up ever thinking that there could be good relationships. And I pray that our hope for those relationships would always be rooted in the cross. And Lord, I pray that as we live in this fallen world where there's stuff that's not right and injustice and wars and fighting and anger and it's just not out there, it's in our own hearts, that we would be people that long for the day when your Son comes back to this earth and makes it right forever. We pray this in His name, our Prince of Peace. Amen.